Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. And I'm just going to be real with y'all. We uh, we dealt with quite a bit of uh, tech issues up top. So lost the introduction to the show. You guys didn't miss much. I just promoted there's a bonus episode of Light Trees and News up right now. Meredith and I spoke with the writer and director of Who Invited Them, Duncan Birmingham. And it's a great interview, whether you're interested in horror or not. Just really, if you're interested in film in general, very uh, fun interview with uh, an emerging talent, if you will. Sorry I phrased it that way. It's a fun interview. Go listen to it. And then, you know, Eric talked about uh, this hurricane that's really slamming the East Coast right now. And then I tried to compare the light rain we've had all week with the fact that they full on got hit by a hurricane. And then I apologized. That's really all you missed. Here's the rest of the episode. So, Eric, before I get into, like, pop culture recommendation stuff, I was just curious. Let me just ask you this. What do you know or what have you heard about Don't Worry Darling? Uh, let's see. I uh, I heard there was a lot of drama with the actors involved. Okay, be specific. Can you name names? And can you say what the drama was? Uh, oh, my God. Yes, uh, I think so. Uh, let's see. Olivia Wilde, one of yep, them. Yep, nailed it. Who uh, is that? Who is that? <laughs> Don't worry, darling. Who Like, what is, she, what is she? I do not know. The main character, okay. the protagonist, I don't know. She's the director, and she's also hmm. in the movie. I see, I see. Um names of the other people involved really don't know i know there was okay. some sort of uh uh drama though where they hate each other there was an c- accusation of spitting so one of if not the most popular pop star in the world is in don't worry darling and you cannot recall his name <laughs> uh yeah no uh yeah so that's harry styles harry styles okay there we go yeah. And then I don't really fault you on this because even though she becomes more popular every year, she's one of my favorite actresses. I don't think she's quite a household name yet, but Florence Pugh is the the okay. main actress. Does, she plays opposite Harry Styles. That does ring a bell. Yes. I do. I do remember that. Yes. So we won't rehash all of the drama because it would truly take an entire episode. Lo- very, very long story short. During the filming of Don't Worry Darling, Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles started to fuck, as the kids say, and she was married to Jason Sudeikis at the time. It was a very, very controversial divorce. He did something very shady. He served her um, custody papers when she was doing a public panel discussion. Oh, my God. Yeah, he got real petty. Uh, originally Harry Styles part was supposed to be played by Shia LaBeouf, who uh, I don't, you probably don't know anything about him, but he uh, has some very, very serious charges against him, including sexual battery. Um, so Florence Pugh did not feel comfortable working with him. Olivia Wilde pretended like she had her back, but then Shia leaked this video of Olivia being like, Ms. Flo, I'll talk to Ms. Flo, like very condescendingly, like she's the problem, not Shia LaBeouf being a fucking maniac being the problem. <laughs> anyway, anyway, 
that is all to say there was a ton of drama around its release and the drama became the main story, not the film itself. It finally came out. And guess what? It's bad. It's real bad, guys. <laughs> I've got a couple hard anti-recommendations. No, I won't say that because I've had people message me and they're like, is it bad enough that I shouldn't see it? And I'm like, no, I don't think it's so bad you shouldn't see it. I do have an anti-rec that hard coming up, but I wouldn't anti-rec, don't worry, darling, that hard. I would say go with a bunch of friends who are down to make fun of it with you. <laughs> don't go with a hardcore Harry Styles fan because their feelings are going to get hurt. Uh, every time that man spoke, our entire theater laughed. <laughs> He's not a good actor. I really like Harry Styles. He seems like a very nice person. He's wildly talented. It's like, again, arguably the most famous pop star in the world next sure. to like Taylor Swift. He should just keep doing that. I'm like, why? Why does he keep trying to act like his last two films that have come out? My Policeman and this are like getting 30, 40% on Rotten Tomato. And I know like Rotten Tomato is like whatever and not nuanced when it comes to critic scoring. But by and large, critics have been like, he's not good. He's simply not good. Is Harry Styles playing the character that is based on Jordan Peterson? No, that's Chris Pine. I see. Okay. And I'll say this. So Florence Pugh and Chris Pine do everything in their little actor bodies they can do to elevate the material and to make it a good film. <laughs> the script is just too awful. Um, Eric, do you have any intention of seeing this film? I have no intention of seeing it. All right. So I'm going to spoil it. Great. And I will... Make it very clear in the title of this episode that there are spoilers. So if you have any interest in Don't Worry Darling, skip ahead. Keep hitting your little 30-second button until <laughs> you don't hear us talking about Don't Worry Darling anymore. But I'll just say this. So I feel like this script, and I'll just give you a little bit of the history of the script since you know nothing about this film, but yep. there's a website called Blacklist. Have you heard of Blacklist? I've seen that name. I'm not familiar with the website. Um, so basically, it's a cool idea. Anybody can upload a screenplay to the website and like industry actually reads some of the scripts on this website and occasionally oh. they buy them. Nice. So it's a really cool way for like unknown writers to get discovered and it is legit and it, I, I think it's a very cool idea. And it's a way mm -hmm. to sort of break Hollywood free from our IP nightmare, <laughs> you know, where it's right. like people are still writing new ideas. Let's film new ideas, you know? So it was very exciting that Don't Worry Darling got bought off of Blacklist. But unfortunately, it would have been edgy like 50 years ago. <laughs> but very long story short, big twist in Don't Worry Darling. It's not even a twist because it's so obvious that nothing that's happening to her is real. And she is in some kind of simulation is that Harry Styles, her like dreamboat of a husband in this pretend society in real life is like an incel gamer guy. And he has fallen under the spell of Chris Pine, AKA Jordan Peterson, who has a podcast in which he's just talking about how we need to get back to the good old days. Women right. need to know their place, yada, yada, yada. And they have built like a, a sexist matrix 
that keeps when they like abduct their real significant others, <laughs> put them under, have like clockwork orange style eye clamps on them to keep their <laughs> eyes open. And they have created this like 1960s idyllic suburban complex that they mm-hmm. all live in together and the women have to stay at home and have babies and yada, yada, yada. So, it, okay, quick clarifying question. Yes. Is this simulation the Matrix style where it's all mental or is it it's Truman Show mental. style where it's actual real? It's all mental. She is strapped to a surgery table somewhere oh, and they wow. are in her brain. So that's like the big twist. <laughs> and again, it's like that might have been edgy like 50 years ago, but <laughs> especially now that like we're at the tail end of Jordan Peterson's career, like his brain is fully liquid. <laughs> like someone just asked him about the Olivia Wilde drama in an interview and he started crying. Yeah, I saw that. We're at that <laughs> that level of the decline in his so he's like on his way out right like that's not to say that violent misogyny isn't a huge problem it is it has always been a huge problem it will always be a problem but it felt very very white lady feminism this movie because like olivia wilde kept (laughs) promoting this film as like yeah, like Stepford Wives meets The Matrix. And then you watch it and it doesn't even make sense. Like in this simulation, we're supposed to be watching Florence Pugh and Harry Styles be hot together. And by the way, their sex scenes are like, they're really bad. Like there's no <laughs> natural chemistry between them. But like, he's like going down on her. And I'm like, I'm sorry. So this is an incel fantasy in which Florence Pugh doesn't ever have to work. Stays home, drinks, goes shopping, has had no children. They have no children together. So she's not even being forced to have children. And Harry Styles comes home and goes down on her. And that's his his fantasy is what you're saying, Olivia? Is that what this movie is? Like, it makes no sense. It's so half-baked and embarrassing to hear her talk about it. Like, the idea that she had in her head that she's talking about in these interviews, I'm like, where is that movie? Because this right. is ridiculous. It's it's laughably bad. If I could say anything nice about it, yikes. I would say uh, Florence Pugh and Chris Pine are doing their damnedest. And the costuming's great. But, like, even, like, Kiki Lane is in this movie. The one black woman in this movie. And apparently she had a much bigger role that got cut down. And she's, like, salty about it. You know, like and she's like said stuff online and like, of course, I don't I'm like, if this was supposed to be feminist and woke, like, why'd you cut your one black character out of this film? Like, if you want to say something interesting about modern feminism, it seems to me that the Kiki Lane character would be the character to explore that. And like, oh, my God, hire black women to to write this screenplay. Right. Like, don't let Olivia Wilde touch this. <laughs> right. But, that would have been an interesting approach to a feminist critique. Like how would a bunch of white men treat a black woman in this matrix? But we never touched that. Yeah. Right. Or write the bad characters as bad as they're supposed to be. Yeah. That's another thing. It's like, if we're going to go there, if this really is supposed to be Jordan Peterson, 
I don't know. I like if you hadn't told me that that was supposed to be Jordan Peterson, I I wouldn't have got that on my own. Because right. she, you're right. She just doesn't go hard enough, or she didn't write it. But the the screenwriters just don't go hard enough in that direction. I think that's a common. I don't know. I it feels to me like that's a common thing where like it, like I feel like sometimes people are afraid to make the like the bad characters, like truly as bad as they're supposed to be. Cause it feels icky, like the things that they need to do to be bad. But like, if that's what you're going for, you got to kind of go for it. You got to, got to go all the way into it. Like you were just mentioning about like what the supposed like dream, you know, the dream world is. It's like, that doesn't even make sense for what the character is supposed to be doing. Yeah. And that's the issue. It's like when you don't go hard enough, it just ends up being nothing. Like right. it, it felt either boring and like sort of haphazardly patched together or like, yeah, they went like 50% of the way in one direction and they were like, uh, what if there's just a big car chase at the end? And it's like, <laughs> what is this movie? <laughs> and like, it seems like Olivia didn't communicate with any of her actors like Nick Kroll and Kate Berlant are in this movie and they're in a much better movie, like in their heads. They're like, Oh, this is kind of like funny. Right. And it's like, yeah, 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 go in that direction. And then they, they don't, but it's like, I would much rather have seen if like Nick Kroll and Cape Berlant were the stars of this film. Right. Um, yeah, it, it just like, I, the only thing that made me sort of happy was right before I went to go see it with some friends. I had heard from other critics that it was, boring and I was like oh no I really wanted it to be bad and I was like so it's not a train wreck and they're like no it's not a train wreck and then I saw it and I was like no that was actually quite bad like <laughs> I I would classify it as a train wreck and I, like there's already sort of been some revisionism where like some pretty prominent critics have been like actually it's good and it's like stop stop it <laughs> right now I know you want to have a hot take but you absolutely cannot reclaim <laughs> Don't worry, darling, is being like an actually good feminist manifesto. It is bad. And it's okay that it's bad because like, again, I would rather see someone try something ostensibly new, even though it like it does rehash a lot of tired cliches like it's mm -hmm. not IP. Right. So right. I would rather see that and see it fail <laughs> than see like, you know, uh, the Wizard of Oz 8.0, you know, like. <laughs> Revisiting yeah. such, such tired IP. So I'll credit it as in terms, in those terms where it's like, at least it was something new-ish, but my God, like I'm getting kind of scared because I'm hearing some rumors about like casting for Harry Styles coming up and I'm like, y'all, are we still doing this? <laughs> are we still going to try this after my policeman and don't worry, darling just came out boy can't act. He's wildly talented and I want him to keep, you know, performing because that's what he's good at. But like, y'all, what the fuck? Like, why? Why? And I think it's literally just because 12 year old girls will go see him in anything. It kind of feels like a, uh, a like a like a Michael Jordan playing baseball situation. A hundred percent. Yes. He's like, I'm too good at this other thing. I, I, it's not fun anymore. I got to try something new. And it's like, honey, like, I wish he would take, you know, I don't know, a lesson from Elvis's playbook where it's like Elvis was really good at what he did. 
you know, I guess you could argue if he had worked with better directors, maybe he would have had a better acting career. But like, why can't you just be happy being good? Like <laughs> as like the king of pop, whatever, whatever. Right. So um, I guess I would say I do have to anti-wreck it, though, even though I'm like dancing around it and I'm like, oh, you should go with your friends if they're willing to make fun of it with you, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I'll anti-wreck it just to take a fucking stand, you know? <laughs> and if we're just going to be, like, critiquing the art itself, I can't be like, but it's fun to make fun of. It's like, no, no, no. Is it good or bad? It's bad. So anti-wreck. This next one, though, don't even watch with your friends. Don't even watch if you're like, yeah, but could it be fun? No. No. Blonde? Have you heard about Blonde? I Yeah, I have heard about Blonde. Okay, so this is Anna DeArmas, who I really, really like, and I think she's very talented. I just want to say that because I've said this before on the show. I stand by it. I really, really feel like Anna DeArmas does not have anybody looking out for her in terms of picking projects and then what happens to her when she's on set because I have now seen a few times this happen to her where she is in something very, very... Uh, exploitative and uh, I just really I hear her talk about the material afterwards and again it's like the Olivia Wilde thing where I'm like what was in your head was not the intention of the director you were working with right and unfortunately uh, the director of this film really 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 just wanted to Make a film about Marilyn Monroe getting the shit knocked out of her her whole life. And not to say, like, you know, that Marilyn Monroe didn't, you know, go through a ton of horrible shit in her life. But, like, Mm -hmm. she had to have a good day every once in a while. Right? (laughs) Like, I tweeted, I was like, I just want to see, like, Marilyn goes and buys cookies. You know, like, one day. Like, one day she has a good day but like this director so it's andrew dominic who has directed some really really good films in the past um but oh boy like again let me just say something nice up top because i hated this film and i just know the rest of it is going to be me shitting on it so there's an opening sequence where surprise surprise we're blaming everything on a crazy mother uh marilyn monroe Uh, Norma Jean's mother was uh, profoundly mentally ill, which means she's a bad person. So uh, she is like just completely in the the midst of a manic state and puts little Norma Jean in a car and is driving through the Hollywood Hills. And we quickly discover that the Hollywood Hills are on fire. Like it's a a very, very terrible uh, fire and the, 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 firefighters and the cops are out trying to get everybody to like turn around and her mother is just like completely manic and driving towards the fire and visually that scene is spectacular and for a second I was like oh is Andrew gonna pull this like out of the bag like I've heard bad things but like this is such a gorgeous scene and then the rest (laughs) of the movie is hot hot shit like (laughs) terrible liquid diarrhea um There are, like, multiple uh, horribly abusive scenes where Marilyn is being uh, beaten by Joe DiMaggio, played by uh, Bobby Cannavale. Um, There's a rape scene that is completely fictionalized from what we can tell. Like, I haven't watched it. I don't plan to watch it. 
But even like reading about the inception of it when it was like first kind of when it was like first being announced, like even if it was good, you're ne- you're always going to have a bad time if you're making a film about a real person that is fictionalized. So like, this is the issue. So Joyce Carol Oates writes this book and the entire premise of the book is she's like imagining the life of Marilyn Monroe and like trying to ascribe reasons for like why she had this tragic end. Right. So she is inferring a lot into relationships that we will never know anything about. Right. So like she, Marilyn Monroe had relationships with not just JFK, but Bobby Kennedy too. Mm -hmm. And we don't know anything about that, like quite deliberately um, because they didn't want anything on the record. So she made up a ton of shit in this book that again is very like, it's the virgin horror dichotomy where it's like Norma was the sweet little angel virgin and Marilyn's the horror. And it's a very reductive way to look at the career of Marilyn Monroe because she was also, and we know this, very very smart and a huge leftist she was like a communist mm-hmm. and to the point where that sort of fed into the conspiracy theories about her being killed by the CIA right or the FBI um because she was so left wing and she was hanging out with the kennedys and they thought she was a dummy and they kept like running their mouths in front of her and, and then it one day they were like oh does she understand what we're saying <laughs> it's like <laughs> Yeah, dudes, she like understands everything you're saying. And they were a little like, oh, 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 shit. And then she started to drink more and take pills. And she was saying a bunch of stuff on her phone to Bobby and they had tapped her phones. So like, you know, things did end up very messy. But there is this like reductive way to look at it, which is the way Andrew looks at it in Blonde, which is she was a victim. And she was just this dumb little fuck doll that like got passed around and all she does is like cry and be traumatized and have flashbacks of her abortion and the fetus talks to her, Eric. Oh, what the fuck? The It's like anti-choice trash. This movie is <laughs> anti-choice trash. There are multiple scenes where the fucking fetus talks to her and says, Jesus. you said you weren't going to kill me. Like shit like that. <laughs> shit like that Eric it's so bad it's so bad that I'm like it is staggering to me that it got made and like clearly Netflix got very nervous about it because it did get the NC-17 rate oh and let me just say as a a huge trigger warning to this film the reason it got an NC-17 rating is as I said there are scenes where like Marilyn, someone is just full out beating the shit out of Marilyn or, or uh, there's a scene with JFK where he forces her to give him a blowjob. <laughs> so there's a rape scene. Um, and so he got an NC 17 rating. Cause of course it did. Right. Um, but so just like a trigger warning, if you were planning to watch it anyway, and you're listening to spoilers for some reason, I don't know. I just think people should know that, like, potentially very triggering. Um, so, yeah, and, like, the the occasional glimmers, like, people were all making fun of the fact that Anna de Armas still has an accent and, like, she's playing Maryland. I'll be honest with you guys. That was not even in my top ten 
<laughs> bad things in this movie. Like, I actually think there are certain scenes where Anna de Armas looks exactly like Marilyn Monroe that are like beautiful. Like, she's mm -hmm. so beautiful in this movie and she's naked a lot, which I was like, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, I understand. Andrew cast her as Marilyn Monroe after seeing her in a film where she was naked. If okay. you if you want any idea of how exploitive this movie is, like right. he saw her naked and was like, that is the shape of meat I want in my movie. Sure. Not that Anna is a great actress, which she is. And I actually think she like she's quite good in a lot of this movie. It's just that the material is so bad and so beneath her. And it made me sad. Like, it made me sad in the way that I think they wanted me to be sad for Marilyn, but I ended up just being sad for Anna. And it it's not in, like, a heady galaxy brain take way, you know? Like, they're not trying to, like, create a commentary on pop culture or celebrity culture and how we consume actresses. This is just a bad man who made a bad film and exploited his actress. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I say, I think like it's having not seen it, it's just, it's, you'll, even that, even if there was that commentary, I just don't think you can ever get away with that type of movie. Cause I think you can get away with it in a book. I've never read the book. I don't, I don't, I'm not no, a either. fan of Joyce Carol Oates. So I, I have no intention of reading it, but like, I think you can get away with it in a book. Cause like, I think people, when they're reading, it's, it's a totally different experience and they, they know what they're getting into, but like, the the actual act of seeing a person on screen that is a real person it's just there's no way to take people out of that you know with this like fictionalized story about their life there's no way to get people out of that I think. and i'm just kind of like why like what are we doing like are right. we if you're trying to make a comment on celebrity culture and how actresses are exploited or starlets are exploited or whatever how are you doing that by exploiting her again Cause that's what this film is. And like, right. I don't know. Like I, I just, <laughs> I tweeted this, but I'm like, without being hyperbolic, I think if anybody tries to make a film about world war two, Marilyn Monroe, JFK, um, or the Royal family again, they should be publicly executed. <laughs> Cause no one's saying anything new. Like, Oh, lady right. die was, you know, um, hounded by the press and the queen wasn't very nice to her. No shit. Really? We've seen that 800 times. Do I need to know anything else about the Kennedys? I do not. Do I need to see another film about how are the good guys who beat the Nazis? I do not. You know? Because right. again, it's like not even entirely true. We did not beat the Nazis on our own. <laughs> but also like, can we just tell new stories? Like, I know Marilyn Monroe had a sad life. She was also really, really smart and complicated because she was a person. And, like, nobody seems interested in that. Everybody just wants to, like, wallow in the misery of the end of her life. And I'm sorry, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, right. I don't want to watch this woman get abused by the system and get raped by studio executives. That also happens, guys. Like... <sighs> Uh, that's like one of the opening scenes. She goes into like do a, a line reading and she gets raped. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I know this happened. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it, but in on what planet is this entertainment? And it's almost three hours long, this movie. Lord. That's Lord in long. heaven. It's too long for any movie, but it's like definitely too long for this kind of movie where it's like 
it's clear that what is getting Andrew off is watching her suffer. And I'm like, dude, like go to therapy. Like more studio executives need to see a like a cut of Blonde, a film like Blonde and be like, okay, instead of us releasing this to millions of people, what if you went to therapy for a month? Because <laughs> like clearly you're working some shit out. And like, again, he's done great work in the past. He did like Chopper and like, you know, stuff like that. But like, mm -hmm. I don't think a man should be able legally to tell the story of Marilyn Monroe ever again. <laughs> ever again. That seems fair. I mean, from here you describe it, what it sounds very much to me like... Yeah, I, I was just thinking about this when you mentioned like, like not making any more movies about World War II and stuff like that. I was like, it feels to me very much like a lot of movies that get made in that vein are like, they're like film exercises. It's like usually people making a film just to go like, look at what we can do as opposed to like, you know, what, you know, what the film is actually about or, or telling any sort of story. I was thinking like, you know, I, I remember when, when 1917 came out and it's like, I couldn't tell you one thing that happens in that movie. Like all anybody <laughs> wanted to talk about is like, they did it in one shot. They did it in know, one shot. Stuff. Eric, did you know they did it in one shot? Well, they didn't actually <laughs> do it in one shot. It was actually more than one shot, but it, it's the illusion of one shot. Yeah. Did you, did you hear about that? Did you hear <laughs> about like, that part? That's all anybody knows about that movie. You know what I mean? It's like, it, that feels very much similar here where it's like, we're not interested in telling this story for any particular reason other than we can do it and make it NC-17. And isn't that cool? And I bet you like a lot of people are going to watch it for that reason, because it's NC-17. You know, you're going to get to see Anna de Armas naked and she's very, very beautiful. So like, I'm sure people will watch it for that reason. Mm -hmm. But my God, like I, I would be a little... Here's an easy red flag if you're on a date and you find out the person you're on a date with saw blonde, like just <laughs> gauge their reaction. If they're like, yeah, it was pretty good. And they don't have a strong reaction. Like that was horrible what they did to Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> you should immediately leave that date because that person's a sociopath and they're going to kill you. <laughs> so I guess in, in that respect, blonde is a good litmus test for if you're a bad person or not. <laughs> if you liked it, Sure. Go into the woods and live alone because <laughs> you're bad for society. Is that a strong enough anti-wreck? That seems pretty strong. Okay, good. Um, I'm trying to think if I had anything else I wanted to say about it. I don't think so. It's just real bad, guys. It's like a downer. Uh, you'll waste three hours. If you want to I mean, see Ana de Armas, I guess watch Knives Out. <laughs> like she's, <laughs> she's good at Knives Out and Knives Out. It's a good movie. Fantastic movie. I very rarely heard you tell people it's like, don't watch something. I think, I don't think it has value. Honestly, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, I think it's deeply misogynist, anti-choice, exploitive trash. And it, it's bad. Like I see, I see people still speculating about Oscar season and it might get some technical awards, but like, I would feel bad if I was involved in this in any capacity. I would feel mm -hmm. bad as a person that they did that to Marilyn Monroe. Brutal. Um, yeah. So, 
I also saw Pearl, which is a great movie, everybody, and I do recommend it. I'm going to wait to talk about it in depth because uh, I think Meredith saw it and she'll probably want to talk about it. So we're going to discuss that uh, more in depth because it's the month of spooky, everybody. So we're going to be talking a lot about horror this month. We talk about horror all the time on the show, but especially in October. And in that vein, um, I'm real excited. Eric, I am almost 100% sure you've never heard of this film. Certainly never <laughs> saw the trailer. Probably will never see it. But Bones and All's trailer dropped. And oh, buddy, it looks so good. And I'm going to go see it during uh, New York Film Festival. Actually, I'm, I might see it a couple times because I think I got invited to another screening. But uh, this is uh, Taylor Russell, Timothy Chalamet, Mark Ryland. Um, okay. And directed by Luca Guaranino, who did Call Me By Your Name, one of my favorite directors. And now he's doing horror again. He's done horror before, but uh, it looks real good. It's about cannibals. <laughs> okay, nice. Uh, young love and cannibalism uh, <laughs> is, I believe, how it is being marketed. But it looks beautiful. Sweet. Apparently, the acting is superb. And I love Luca so much that I'm just like over the moon that he made a horror movie and it's dropping during spooky season. Some of the best actors working. Oh, I'm so happy. But I maybe check it out, Eric, the trailer and see I if will you check it out. are into it. Cause like, I don't know. Not that like you strike me as somebody who likes spooky movies, but it, it feels like your vibe a little bit. Mm. Go watch I it and then tell me. I think spooky movies is actually a pretty good, uh, uh, like description of, I'm not a big horror movie person, not for any reason other than just like that. I don't find them terribly interesting most of the time, Mm -hmm. but I do like interesting ones. And I like, I like especially like psychological movies. What's your favorite psychological horror movie? Mm, Oh God. Um, or just like one you like. Don't worry about if it's your favorite. I mean, I, I mean, like I'm a very big Alfred Hitchcock fan. Sure. Um, I like all of Hitchcock's movies. Uh, um, especially, uh, I mean, Psycho is a classic, of course. But I mean, I love stuff like that. I think that stuff is like really very good. I did see a trailer for a current movie that I I actually want to see. I thought it would be quite good. Have you seen a trailer for a movie called The Watcher? Great movie. Yeah, we uh we reviewed it on the show. Um oh. one of my favorite horror movies of the year. Really? Mm-hmm. I went down a very deep rabbit hole reading about the true story that it's based on the other day, and that was very fun. Oh yeah. I like I think I heard about this, but I almost immediately forgot <laughs> like, <laughs> what it is actually based on. Um but yeah, if if anybody missed the episode where we recommended that, do watch The Watcher. I need to go check that out. Uh, So the final thing that I wanted to talk about uh, is I got invited to the premiere of Amsterdam the other week. And let me just say, don't turn off the podcast. Uh, (laughs) David O. Russell is a monster. And it is like stunning that all of Hollywood continues to agree to work with him. If you forget (laughs) the entire history of like Woody Allen, who... Not to compare monsters and not to say one is better or worse, but it's like, this is the same industry where everyone was okay working with a child rapist up until like last year. 
And then all of a sudden, everybody was like, wait. (laughs) Or they weren't. But society was like, we will cancel you if you do this. And finally, they were like, oh, yeah, we can't be working with Woody Allen anymore. Um, And then he said he was going to retire. And now he's like, I'm not retiring. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) But David O. Russell uh, is horribly abusive to his actors on set and has made actresses like Amy Adams burst into tears crying. Um, He also sexually assaulted his uh, trans niece, I believe, um, like groped her breasts um, and like sort of just like casually dropped it as an anecdote. Like it was funny. Um, Yeah, he's he's terrible. Like and there are other stories about him being abusive as well. So I am always very conflicted when reviewing a film like that because I'm like, I don't think you should support David O. Russell. But if my job is just to tell you if the film is good or not, mm-hmm. Amsterdam, pretty good. Pretty good. I would give it a six out of 10, a five or a six out of 10. The cast is absolutely. Do you know anything about this movie, Eric? I just saw that it had like a crazy cast. That's yeah. what I only know about. So it's like Margot Robbie, um, Christian Bale, John David Washington, um, Mike Myers, and Michael Shannon. <laughs> it's like one of those films where you're just like, what the fuck? Like, how did they get everybody? What Taylor uh, Swift is in it, not as like a huge part, but she's in it. Zoe Saldana, Rami Malik, Robert De Niro. I forgot to say Robert De Niro, guys. Like, Chris Rock? Chris Rock is in it. (laughs) Like, it sounds like I'm lying, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they're all in the same movie together. And it's like, you had this is a dream you had, right? It's like, no. Like, honestly, they're all in a movie together. (laughs) And it's, like, kind of a sweet story about friendship. I think it wants to make a bigger point about, like, fascism in America. (laughs) That to me doesn't stick the landing and is a little like, um, you know how Adam McKay in the third act, it's always like, okay, Adam, like it gets (laughs) a little too serious and like he undercuts like the tone he set beforehand, you know? Right. Yeah. That's what David O. Russell does in Amsterdam where it's like a kind of like light, cute story about friendship and also trying to make a statement about the rise of fascism in America. And it's like, okay, I don't know if we're skilled enough to pull off the ladder, but like Mm -hmm. you made a cute story about friendship and like Margaret Robbie is like the most likable person in the world. So like watching her, I was just like, and like, she was also there for a Q and a, and I was texting Meredith and I'm like, Margot Robbie is the most beautiful person I've ever seen in real life. Like (laughs) stunning. Like it was insane. Third row looking at Margot. I was like, worth it. Worth coming out to this. Um, (laughs) Christian Bale looked like a lunatic, but that's besides the point. So I'm praying it's for a role. He came out in like long hair, bushy beard. And I was like, oh my gosh. An insane man just walked on stage with Margot Robbie. (laughs) Um, But Yeah, I would say like a very, very light recommendation from me. It's fine. It's fine. It would be like, you know, you're at home. It's a rainy day. What are we going to watch together? Amsterdam. I wouldn't say like, you know, fight to see it in the theater, but like, it's fine. It's fine. Nice. I mean, that sounds fine. That sounds (laughs) good good enough. My review saying it's fine sounds fine. Um, (laughs) And then actually... 
I do have a couple other ones, but Eric, do you have anything you want to recommend that's not CSI or like Law and Order reruns from the nineties? <laughs> have you seen hey, anything new or read anything not, new? Hey, it's not reruns. There are new episodes of Law and Order. It's back. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Well, I haven't been watching anything new. We started watching The Sopranos because Faith had not seen it. I so. binge watched all of The Sopranos at the beginning of pandemic because I was sort of nice. like. Let me just knock out stuff that's like ordinarily I would have no time or patience to watch something this right. long, you know, but because we uh, all lost our jobs and weren't allowed to go anywhere. I was like, <laughs> sure. I guess I'll watch all of the Sopranos. And guess what, guys, not to be controversial on Light Trees and News, Sopranos, <laughs> pretty fucking good. It's real good, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pretty okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy how good it, it holds up. Um, the latter seasons, uh, the, the first season of watching series that were on that, like the wire is like this too. You watch the first season right. and you're like, okay, I have to, what is it? <laughs> seven seasons. And people are like, just get past season one. <laughs> right. Season one. <laughs> For some reason, series in the nineties, when they like started look like they're from like the seventies. Right. And then you get to like season four and five and suddenly we're in present day and the technology is way better and it's like higher definition and you're like, oh shit, it's like a real show now. Yeah, that is true. That, that is uh, exactly what happens. <laughs> it looks like two different decades. Everything's low def. Yeah, like you're like, yeah. is this shot like out of focus? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> keep watching. Um, but yeah, so we start, we're, we're, we're going to wait through that. Um, but I do, so I don't have too much to recommend. I did, I, I do, uh, I did have a story I wanted to talk about. If you, if Ooh, you I love um, this. Yeah. Uh, okay. Have you in your, I, I only bring it up because it is national news at this point. So I feel like you've probably come across it at some point. Uh, have you in your periphery as you're perusing online seen stories about the insane, drama going on about cheating in professional chess okay eric so funny that you thought this would have been on my radar um no it's I, like a national story at this point i mean heard every, nothing like, about this nothing about nothing this. okay mm -hmm. all right i'll i'll briefly go through it because i think it's it's pretty uh funny and interesting okay um so all right so actually last time i was on the show i recommended people watch the interviews of a young chess grandmaster named Hans Dean because I thought they were funny. He's like yes. a little moody 19-year-old who's playing with the best chess players in the world. He's got some funny one-liners and stuff. It's it's fun. It's great. Uh, it, it's very good, uh, you know, social media content. So, uh, like, just a couple weeks after that, he goes and plays in a tournament in St. Louis. Um uh, St. Louis is like the mecca of of chess right now. It's crazy. Um, oh, weird. It's like where that's where like the World Chess Hall of Fame is and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, they have a lot of really really important stuff going on. Uh, mostly because there was a very uh, big shocker. There was a very rich guy in St. Louis oh, who decided to uh, donate a lot of money and build a build a chess hall of fame and stuff. So of course now they have all this stuff there. I was about um, to ask you, I was like, Oh, how interesting. I wonder why is St. Louis the <laughs> Mecca of chess? And I'm like, I bet it's an interesting story. And you were like, it's not, no, uh, it's, it's capitalism. A, yeah. It's a classic <laughs> rich guy 
big fan of chess, donate a lot of money. So now all the stuff's in St. Louis. Um, but so he goes to St. Louis. He plays in a, a chess tournament against the best players in the world. Um, he plays against uh, Magnus Carlsen, the reigning world champion, uh, arguably greatest player of all time. He beats Magnus Carlsen. So the next day, because they play, they basically, the, the way chess tournaments are structured, they usually play one game per day because the games take, you know, five or six hours. And right. They need a break. So uh, they come back the next day. Magnus does not show up for the tournament. He withdraws from the tournament, uh, which is unprecedented. He's never done it. It's only happened, I think, once or twice in the past 20 years that somebody has withdrawn from the tournament for a reason that's not like they're sick. Right. Um. So he withdraws from the tournament and he doesn't say anything. He puts out a very cryptic tweet that just says he uh, that just says he uh, is withdrawing from the tournament. And it has uh, a YouTube video of some I, I don't know the guy's name off the top of my head, but a, a famous like soccer manager who gave a press conference um, accusing someone of cheating um, oh. and, and saying like the the. In the video, the guy saying like, "I can't really talk, or else I'll get in trouble." So he just like attaches his video to this very cryptic tweet, cryptic. just saying he's withdrawing. I was gonna yeah. say though, this is also like classic me behavior. Like, I leave the <laughs> game, I leave town, I'm accusing yeah. people of having cheated. Yeah, 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 yeah. right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that is kind of how it goes down sometimes. Because right. like, <laughs> like Magnus is like I said, arguably the best player in the world. Prior to this, he hadn't lost a game in I think like two years or something. Um, so, so, I mean, as you can, might imagine. Though, and I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. And I'm, you might have been on your way uh, to explain this anyway. But when one is accused of cheating at chess, how, like, how could you cheat at chess? Because yeah. how would he predict what his opponent's going to do? Do you know what I mean? Like, right. anything can happen. So how would you it, anticipate that in order to cheat? So you don't, if you're cheating, you don't have to anticipate it. So there's a couple different methods. And this is where going into the methods is where it really became national news, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But like, basically, there have been people who have been caught in the past cheating at professional events by literally like, because you can get up and like move around during a game because right. it's like five or six hours long. So um People have been caught going to the bathroom with a cell phone. Oh, um, so do they not confiscate or so do they confiscate your cell phone from you or are they getting a cell phone from someone else? So they, do, well, <laughs> the most famous case, they do, they, I don't know if they confiscate it, but you cannot have one in the playing hall. Like you, they, they check sometimes, sometimes they wand you or do like a little metal detector. Um, but you should the have most... to piss in a bucket and not leave the room. I <laughs> should have table, eyes right? on you at all times. They should have right. like a personal chaperone who like <laughs> if you have to take a shit and you can't piss in the bucket, chaperone goes with you. Yeah. Uh, they might start doing that, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh the most the most famous case happened a while ago, like 10 years ago or something, but like a guy literally like full-on like mafia movie style, like went to the playing hall early taped a cell phone inside of a toilet tank oh my god <laughs> but what's so up. crazy about that is like you're good enough that you got to like the finals of the finals mm -hmm. and you still either have so little confidence in yourself or you're so obsessed with winning that you're like i gotta get my toilet phone set up 
Right, exactly. It's like, my it's, dude, what if you're just good enough to win? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's cutthroat. It's a, it's a crazy world. Um, but uh, that's like the most common way people have done it in the past. But so the difference now is that these tournaments are live streamed. So people are thinking that people might have, you know, some sort of device on them that somebody can be watching at oh. home and like doing the cheating for them. Yeah, they're, sure. I mean, chess engines, you know, machine learning, you know, neural network machine chess engines are just like, they have all of the right answers. So you could have somebody like doing the moves and like, just like, you know, finding some way to communicate it to you. People have done that, like, in big playing halls where there's like hundreds of people all playing at the same time using like weird, like, 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 um, like almost like baseball sideline signals like right. standing across the room, like signaling people things. Um, I feel like there but- needs to be a world series of cheating because sometimes when you hear about like how people cheat, it's, it's crazy. almost as impressive as if you had a skill like being a master chess player. It's like, right. you guys put so much work into this <laughs> and it's so elaborate and you're clearly really intelligent people. I feel like you should be rewarded for that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, well, here's where it gets wild. So, uh, so basically that happens and then the, there's just like nothing because like Magnus won't talk about it. He just leaves. He just leaves town and just like won't talk about it. Honestly, um, iconic behavior. <laughs> uh, Hans uh, is sort of like defending himself. Now, it gets interesting because Hans actually uh, was ha- like admitted that when he was a teenager, which I mean, when he was a teenager, it was like you know five years ago or whatever. Um, like uh, Hans admitted that he cheated in online chess. So playing, you know, online chess. I mean, that's very easy to cheat at. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I've done that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like nobody, like nobody's for some, like when they have like very big online tournaments, they actually make you set up a dual camera system where you have a camera watching your (laughs) face for the stream, but then you have to have a camera set up behind you watching your monitor. So what I would do Um, in that case is I would just set up the behind camera with a dummy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I could cheat. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, but for the most part that, you know, there's not, it's just like, it's rampant. It happens. They have like anti-cheating measures where like they have algorithms that like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, they can build algorithms that are like, yeah, no human plays this good. <laughs> like, this is obviously not you. Right. Right. Um, but, but anyway, so he admitted that that happened in the past. He, he owned up to it. He's like, yeah, I did that, but I've never cheated live and stuff like that. So while this is all just like, Nobody's saying anything. There's no, nobody made any accusations, but it was all very cryptic and, you know, uh, stuff like that. I don't know how it started, but (laughs) there is some sort of internet rumor starts somewhere, probably on Reddit. That's that's where bad things happen. But (laughs) uh, somehow it gets out that there is a, 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 a rumor that Hans could have possibly cheated during the live stream broadcast by using vibrating anal beads. Oh my, <laughs> you see what I mean though? Like if it was true, insane rumor to start, but if it was right. true, you would kind of have to be like, good for you. <laughs> That's impressive. Right. Uh, for so yeah. many reasons. Like Exactly. Uh, yeah, go, I'm sorry, continue. 
No, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully in agreement. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, well, uh, but as you might imagine, this gets everyone's attention. <laughs> like, I mean, anal beads usually do. Right. Exactly. Um, like everyone, like national, like I mean, like the Guardian's writing about it. Sure. Uh, they like talk about it on a bunch of just like major podcasts. It's on the news. Now, was there like, every- any sort of like? veracity to it beyond like here's a wacky rumor like is there a reason the national media was like actually maybe not really other than it's a crazy story and it seems plausible oh my god it's like, there's, i mean like nobody checked obviously <laughs> like like yeah. you have no way of knowing um well, so i'll just be edgy on this show and say i don't think um chess players should have to be submitted to examinations if they have <laughs> anal beads or not. Like, let's not yeah. go there. Let's everybody just calm down a little bit. But that's crazy that like, I mean, it's not crazy because that is the media. That's what they do. But I was like, surely there must have been some kind of corroborating evidence if they're like talking about it that much. Because like, there's always insane rumors on Reddit, <laughs> you right. know, or like right. wherever this originated, you know, 4chan or whatever. But like, <laughs> the media doesn't always sort of treat it like it could be true, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. Uh, I mean, I, I think mostly just because, yeah, it's all, and I mean, too, I mean, still, there has been nothing come out of this. Like, um, uh, a couple, like a week or so ago, Magnus finally actually spoke on the matter. And here's, what's great. And to your earlier point about, about losing and stuff, there still is no, uh, they're doing an investigation. There still is no hard evidence of, of cheating or anything. But stick with the Mag- story, King. Stick with the story. <laughs> when when Magnus finally spoke, like his literally his rationale was like, uh, he put out a statement that I don't have in front of me, but it was basically like, you know, we've heard these rumors in the past about you know Hans cheating online, things like that. I was suspicious, and then he beat me, and so I didn't think that could happen. That's my evidence. I don't fucking lose. That's a king statement right there. I love that. It's really strong. He's yeah. just like he's like he outplayed me in a way that only a couple people in the world can do, and he's not one of them. <laughs> like, I lose to two entities, God and robots, and that man is neither of those. So right. cheater, cheater. Yeah, so I love it. It's but yeah, I mean, people are going the the anal beast thing. Just really like set off the world on fire. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of people I have gotten multiple text messages from just random people in my life that just know I play chess or like I'm interested in chess. Like what the hell is going on? Never heard about it a day in my life, but that's like really interesting. (laughs) I'm glad you put it on everybody's radar. I have two quick recommendations and then please, by all means, if you have any more recommendations, drop them as well. But this one you might actually like, Eric. So I wanted to include it in this episode. There is a British comedy horror film called All My Friends Hate Me. Okay. And it is about this guy, Pete, who is going away for a weekend celebration for his 31st birthday. And he's telling his girlfriend, Sonia, all about his crew from back home that he grew up with. And he's like, basically talking about how he's like he was the man you know he was like (laughs) Mr. Party and like everybody loved him he goes away to this weekend retreat in this like creepy old big estate and 
like slowly realizes <laughs> over the course of a few nights that not only are most of his memories false, but his friends might hate him. <laughs> and it's so funny because like clearly like when they present Pete, he's supposed to be like the good guy. He's our protagonist, you know, and like right. he volunteers at a refugee camp. But then you see him interacting with his friends and he'll like mention the fact that he worked in a refugee camp a few too many times and <laughs> two of his friends will make eye contact in a really quick way. That's just like, this is what we were talking about before he came. <laughs> and it's so good. And it, but it's also like every fear you've ever had, you know, right. About like right. what people say about you when you're not in the room. And I hate to tell you all this. People talk about you when you're not in the room, even your very of good course. friends, your very good friends have a group text and you're not on it. <laughs> Sorry to tell you that's just the case. Um, Everybody needs to be talked shit about eventually, you know? It keeps us humble. It keeps us in our place. And there's a bunch of other twists and turns in All My Friends Hate Me that I won't spoil for you all. But it's like, once again, in the way that Who Invited Them was like entertainment made for aging millennials, mm -hmm. All My Friends Hate Me is entertainment for aging millennials. It's like so good. The tone is so spot on. Um, and it's just, it's very fun. And I think you would like it, Eric. That sounds uh, like an, like the actual perfect movie for me. That yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. I think you'd like it a lot. Um, and then that finally, reminds me of. Oh no, go ahead. I was just gonna I was just gonna say that reminded me of the the Thirty Rock flashback where Liz Lemon realizes she was the bully. Oh, so good! I love <laughs> shit like that. I love it so much. Um, so. I just finished the book The Shallows by Nicholas Carr. It's a Oh, that book's great. It's great. And I had been meaning to read it for a long time and I just never got around. Oh no, that's not true. I almost fully lied on this show. <laughs> what happened was I was going to read it, but I knew the second I read it, I would never want to be online again. Uh -huh. And I'm like, it's too much of my job. I don't want to be aware of what the internet is doing to my brain as I'm like locked in this awful marriage with the internet that I can never mm -hmm. get out of it, you know? Yep. And then finally I was just like, fuck it. I read it. And that's exactly how I feel. Now I like, <laughs> I feel like I'm hyper aware of the ways the internet is like making me dumb and shortening my memory. And like when I try to read books now, I'm like constantly looking around for my phone and it's awful. Um, but it's a really well-written book and it makes a hell of a case for <laughs> how the internet is like ruining our memories. That book is actually, I picked up that book a long time ago, like when I was in working at a bookstore and I, that book is the reason I do a lot of weird shit now where like, I don't save numbers in my phone. Oh, I'm no, like, I didn't know that. I don't, I, I have a couple saved, uh, uh, for like quick use, but like, for most of the part, I don't save a lot of numbers in my phone because I just try to get back to like when I was in like in middle school or high school or whatever. And I like had everyone's numbers memorized. Yes, I know. And some people I know still remember their like childhood phone number. The only right. phone numbers I fully memorized are my parents and mine. And that's it. Yeah, I remember a couple old ones, but not many. But yeah, I, I it was like the same deal where I was like. I like, I couldn't like if I lost my phone, I couldn't call anybody. Like if somebody else, if I had to borrow somebody's phone, I wouldn't know who to call. Like right. I don't know anybody's number, so I started trying to force myself to like 
remember and memorize things. I would have to message people on like Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Please send help. I'm in trouble. Yeah. 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 That's so horrible. Um, I have a friend who stays off of her phone on Saturdays, which is great for her and infuriating for everybody else. (laughs) Especially when we've made plans with her and like, we're all there early and we're like, where is she? And we're like, well, we Uh can't fucking text her because she won't get our texts. It's like, um, but I'm like so jealous of it because I'm like, I I can tell when I personally am somewhere and I just don't have cell phone reception for a few hours. My thinking is more organized. Mm-hmm. I feel calmer. <laughs> and like I instantly feel health improvements. And I'm like, right. what would happen if I just like destroyed my phone? One of the craziest experiences I've ever had was uh, we went up to Vermont for... Um, uh, Faith's family reunion and they like her family comes from like like at least like her distant family has like roots in this like very small town in Vermont that's like like to- like in the town there is no cell service like right. you like you can't get cell service anywhere in town you have to literally have to like drive out of town up a mountain to check your email or whatever mm-hmm. so we were there for like three or four days and knew that we knew that was going in. Like we knew that was going to happen. So we were like, this is great time to unwind. Like literally can't even be tempted because I couldn't check my phone if I wanted to. And like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like every, like it was just insane. Like, like, you know, clarity and like my, I started feeling myself like decompress and all this stuff. You feel yourself accessing deeper memories because like, for example, uh, I used to intern at the old UCB theater uh, in Mm -hmm. the basement where I never had cell phone reception, not once a day in my life. So (laughs) I never used my phone and I would just like instead focus on the shows or whatever. But like there were a couple times I was talking with someone and we were like trying to remember an actor or a movie or something. And I would like reflexively reach for my phone to Google and Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I can't Google. And then I would just wait for a second and I would remember. And I was like, oh, shit. Like I just summoned a memory that I would not have summoned if Google worked. Right. Well, (laughs) the end of that story is that uh, we wrapped up the weekend and, you know, got ready to leave, packed all of our stuff, got in our rental car. And I turned on the rental car. And the first thing I heard coming from the radio was that Jeffrey Epstein had killed himself. (laughs) (laughs) Did you feel like that ruined your piece or you were sort of like, oh, nice. Uh, I, it was so surreal. I don't even think we react. We were just like, what the hell? Like, yeah. I, like not a moment's peace just By as soon way, as it was over. And also let's put big air quotes around killed. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> Who yeah. knows? Life is weird guys. Um, so there's a rumor that I'm so sorry to end the episode on this note, but <laughs> there is a rumor that, um, uh, I, um, always so afraid of pronouncing her name wrong. His like lady accomplice. Ghislaine. Ghislaine. Is that it? Um, I'm pretty sure that's right. That Ghislaine is writing a tell all book. And so this was a blind item where, uh, and it was a revealed blind item. So that means they tell you who the blind item was supposed to be about. So mm-hmm. they were like, this uh, infamous accomplice to uh, now dead serial. So it was like, obviously her, but right. they revealed it. 
she's supposedly writing like a tell-all book, but the way this blind ended was better put her on suicide watch. Oh my God. I was like, holy shit. So if she quote unquote kills herself, that's going to be like, come on guys. Come on. Anyway. um, Any other recommendations? Uh, I don't think so. We've been keeping it pretty chill. Hell yeah. Uh, Love that. I literally wrote down Eric Rex hot goss in chess. And I think <laughs> I'm going to keep that just so everyone yes. will be like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Is that English? Uh, everybody, please follow Eric on the socials at Eric, E-R-E-K underscore Smith. Um, anything to plug? You're just chilling, right? I'm just chilling. Just chilling. Living living the uh, the homeowner dream. I think I'm going to stop asking people what they're working on because like... <laughs> Not only does I think it like bums people out, like not you, because you're like just normal living your life. But like when I meet Mm -hmm. like, you know, I get together with like comedians or other like writers I haven't seen in a while. And like, it's just a gross first question (laughs) we ask each other. I'm just going to be like, how are you? Right. Now, what are you working on? How are you? That's a good one. That's enough. That's enough, everyone. You're enough. You're enough. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.